daughter-in-law, daughter. It's wonderful. Nick and Viv handing over to Paul and Amy. It's, let me just say, after what's been going on here and listening to the way they work together and to the ministry that takes place and their hearts and the heart of Paul, now, this church is in good hands. Would you agree with me? It's in really good hands. Paul is going to step forward to become the new lead elder of Southern Gateway. Nick is going to step aside. He's not stepping back. <laughs> I've got news for you. He's stepping aside because he still has a role to play, and it's a fundamental role. But he's going to step aside so that he can step forward. And I just, that prophetic word was so, who brought that word about the stairs today? I just thought that was so interesting. You don't know what's around the corner, but God is inviting you to climb those stairs with him as we go into this new season. New season's coming. And he's, he's saying, come with me on this journey. It's a challenge, but it's tremendously exciting. It's going to be really good. And if God is in it, which he is, have a great anticipation for the new season that is coming. Seasons in God are wonderful things. And uh, yeah, we've been through those ourselves. And these guys invited me to speak today because of our experience with transition. Now, we transitioned to church. You guys know the story. I told it a few weeks ago. But just for those who, who weren't here, we were invited to transition a church in Portugal. The lead couple were Brazilians who had planted there, and they felt God was telling them to move on, and we were invited to go and take it over. We'd been visiting for several years. We'd got to know them. They'd visited us in Joburg and stayed with us for one of the big equips in Blum, and we got to know them, and we thought, wow, we really know these guys. This is going to be so easy. <laughs> Nick's laughing. He knows the story. It wasn't, okay? It was a very difficult time in our lives, and it was a transition that didn't go well for multiple reasons. I'm going to touch on some of them later, but it was very, very difficult for us to take the church forward with what we felt God was telling us to do, and there were reasons for that. And then um, we handed over to a church in 2020 as COVID hit to a young guy uh, who was a son in the house. He was in the church and wasn't, was fairly recently saved and married to a girl in the church. And um, he became a son in the faith. And he came under eldership in 2010. We took over in 2007. And we just walked alongside on the same team for, for all of those years, 13 years, well, till we handed over 10 years. And that was a transition that went extremely well. And there were things that took place in that transition, lessons I'd learned in the first one, <laughs> that I knew, Mark, do not do this. <laughs> do not do this. And so we had to really say, okay, how are we going to hand this church over? In, in a sense, our baby, because we'd, we'd shed tears and sweated blood to transition that church and get it to the place where we felt God wanted it to be. And it had started to flow and really taken place. And so to hand this over was, was both difficult and quite easy. So I'm thinking these two transitions in our lives, what is there that I can share with you guys that will help you to, uh, to go through this time with these guys? I think let me say this, predominantly it's not about them today. I'm going to just give some lessons on, on what I feel transition is about, but they're in a good place. This is not, I'm not coaching them and saying, you, you need to do this, because they're already doing it. It's already taking place, I think, in a really smooth way. But it's two things. The, 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 the key thing is it's for all of you, 
because we're all in this together. You're not sitting back saying, okay, let's watch this handover and see what's happen what happens. You are as fundamental a part of this process as they are sitting here up front. How you react, what you think, what comes out of your mouth, what takes place in your heart is absolutely key to how this goes down. And remember, it's all about Jesus. This is his church. He wants this church to go forward. He wants this church to thrive and grow. If he didn't, this wouldn't be taking place. It's not because they have somehow reached the end of the road and failed. It's because in God there are seasons, and he's always preparing a new generation to step forward and pick up the, the mantle, to take on the yoke, and to run with, with a renewed energy. It's, times are different. He wants this church to move on, and we all have an opportunity with our hand to the plow, and then we step aside and someone else steps in. The Bible is full of these incredible examples of men and women who served God faithfully in their generation, and then someone else stepped in. That's, that's the way it happens. So let me just pop this out here. When I say transition, because we're talking about a transition here, what words come to mind? Straight off. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> What's that? Handover. Handover? Change. A whole lot of people say change. Okay, you've cut my legs out from under me. I said handover, passing on, stepping back, stepping forward, stepping up, stepping down, stepping aside. Movement, direction, a new direction, a new sense of purpose, um, discomfort, disappointment maybe. Disappointment. When we took over in 2007, there was great disappointment among a segment of the, of the church, which was very hard to, for us to deal with because we thought, here we are in all our innocence trying to do the best. Why are they so disappointed in us? But anyway, that's, that's another story. We had to deal with that. But the word I think that sums it all up is change. That's, that's the big word here, change. And life is a story of change, isn't it? You cannot exist without change in your life. In fact, if there's no change in your life, there's no growth because change equals growth. We have to change to grow. You cannot stay the same. We don't like it when people rock our boat. When God rocks our boat and when God rocks the church for His purposes, it gets uncomfortable. We are a people of habit. We're creatures of comfort and we like things to stay the same. Uh, 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 stability is a big word for us. We don't like it when things change, and that's human nature. But things have to change. I mean, here's Ray. Is she wearing nappies? Of course she's wearing nappies. If Paul was still wearing nappies, there'd be a problem. There came a stage in his life when, driven by his mother, I'm sure Nick had nothing to do with it, she had to get him out of nappies, and he sits here today without them. Thank the Lord. But I mean... Imagine if we are so resistant to change that those things don't happen. So even in the silly little things, it's a stupid example, sorry. But even in the silly little things, we have to be prepared to get up and move forward and in everything in our lives. And things rock our world. I mean, who counted on COVID? So I handed over the church within two weeks of me saying, here's the church, big ordination ceremony. Within the next two to three months, we're moving back to South Africa. The first lockdown hit. Literally two weeks, 14 days, and the church went into hard, the country went into hard lockdown. I think that first one was six or eight weeks. And I mean, we were taking our groceries home and sterilizing them in the sink. And yeah, everyone just didn't know what was happening. And people, we'd just come from Italy, my son and I, and they were dying in droves. Do you remember how hard it hit Italy? So there was a real sense. We, were, we flew out of Milan 
on a, a, at the same day on a different flight to the guy who brought it to Portugal. And he had a party with 17 people of his family, and I think four of them died. So that same weekend we landed, that's what happened. So we were in the midst of that thing, and I just handed the church over. So can you guys imagine the, the shock of that? We don't know what's coming around the corner, but we need to accept that change will happen in our lives. It's part of life, and um, God is a creative God who's always changing. He changes but remains the same. Isn't there a paradox in that? He's always doing a new thing, and the gospel that uh, the gospel of Christ that our lives and this church are f uh, is founded on is a gospel that changes. The truth of the gospel that stays the same. But how the reality of it and the, our expression of it in the church can be different. This church is not the same as any other church down the road or, or, or anywhere else. It is an expression of the kingdom that carries the truth and, uh, and the, the precious truth of the gospel. Paul says this in Colossians 1.6, In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The gospel is growing. It's, it's moving. It's out there through men and women who are faithful and who want to carry it to the nations and who want to share it with their neighbors. It's a living, organic thing. God is living and organic. And unfortunately, we are happy when we put him in a box. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of examples of that. I mean, I don't want to uh, diss anybody, but look at traditional church along the years. I mean, there's still traditional garb that is worn. Um, I had an example of a, of a young guy who uh, visited us, and he came to church, or young guy, he was in his late 40s, and he was in a suit and tie. This is in Joburg. And he, he came up and he was crying and, and I spoke to him and prayed for him. And he said, he is part of a traditional uh, English church in Rosebank. And he said he was in the youth and they had this vibrant, exploding youth. And he said at the time of the charismatic revival, they had guitars and their Friday night meetings in the basement of the traditional church were extremely alive and a wonderful time. And he said he got saved and it was going great. And he said then the pastor or the priest or whatever you call them was changed because it was getting out of hand so the head office swapped them around and he said the guy came in he said i'm stopping all this nonsense worship is the organ on sundays um, and he put a stop to it and he said everybody left he said i was the only one who decided to stay and he says i'm in my late 40s the next youngest person in the church is in their 70s and he said, I've just watched it dwindle year after year after year. Isn't that sad? So the life of God comes and man squashes it. And that's tradition. That's trying to keep God in a box. Why should it only be organ music that's played in a church? Look at this to the, am I, am I right? And we look at this, this inability to change, this kind of culture of stagnation. Uh, I was thinking about the, the Amish church in the States. You guys know those guys. They wear traditional clothing that's from the 17th century or whatever. They drive horse carriages because they don't believe in cars. I don't know what impact they're having on the world, but it's a little sidelined backwater of a culture. They are sincere, absolutely. Do they know God? I believe they do. They serve God in their own way, but they are so resistant to change that there's a stagnation going on. We cannot be resistant to change. And believe me, when this handover takes place, there will be change. I'll really just look at them, and he's wearing a cap. I mean, I remember taking our kids to school, and I would say, my boy, take that cap off. You're going to church. I would say that. You can't sit in church with a cap on. 
And then here he is. <laughs> yeah, off it comes. Yeah. <laughs> but am I right? We have these little ingrained ideas that stay with us. There's a sh culture shift here. There's another generation. Things are going to change. We better get used to it. Eh? So the question is not whether things are going to change. We know they are. How do we respond to change is what's really key here. How does it affect us and how will we respond to us? respond to it. Well, I believe we need to embrace it and be ready for it without changing one iota of God's word or the truth, truth of who he's about. Stuff can change around that, but there's a rock that stays solid. So if this transition takes place and he starts preaching heresy, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Nuke him. <laughs> you have Nick's permission. Get rid of him. No, seriously, there are some things that we hold precious that are true, and you cannot have a church that deviates off the truth of God's Word, no matter what the culture change is. That's, that's concrete. We stick to that. But God is doing a new thing here, and it's exciting, and we need to embrace it and celebrate it. He says in Isaiah 43, 16 to 21, I absolutely love the Scripture. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So that's what happened. Incredible good news of Israel's deliverance. Not so? Amazing stuff that happened. What's he say next? Forget the former things. <laughs> That'll happen. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Wonderful, eh? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Out here is a, is a wasteland of lack of salvation. There's a wasteland. This world is lost. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. What a promise. Through Southern Gateway and through them and now through them, God is providing a way in the wilderness. He's giving drink that those who come in here, may be, their thirst may be quenched, that salvation will take place. And he's saying, forget the former things. Good things have happened, but do not dwell on the past. And that is absolutely clear for all of us as members of this church. Don't dwell on the past. We had that. That was what shook us so badly, is that people said, oh, it's not the same anymore. Uh, this guy used to do this, and this guy used to do that, and why don't you do that anymore? When we sing, but we've heard God differently, to take the church, if he didn't want us to take it forward in a different way, what are we doing here? And why is it also clear to everybody else that this transition is necessary? Do, do you know what I'm saying? God wants to do a new thing. He's always about doing a new thing. And we need to be in sync and aligned with what he wants to do, and go with it. Not say, oh, well, why does this have to happen? They're young enough and good enough and uh, love the Lord and love His Word, and it's not necessary. Well, to Him it is. So let's see why. Huh? He says in Isaiah 55, 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Isn't that great? He has His own way that He wants to do things. Let's just tie in with Him. Let's go with it. You guys agree? I think it's brilliant. So... Let's talk about this thing. I've got a few practical things here, and then I've got an illustration to show you, and, and, and I'll be done. But that's another hour and a half. Okay. Transition. I've used this thing passing on the baton, and I looked for a baton. I couldn't even find an inner 
kitchen roll holder to use as a baton. So we're not, we're not staying at our house for this weekend. But anyway, I couldn't find anything. So you guys have an imagination. Here's a baton here, a big one. Okay? And it's passing on. So firstly, transition is God's idea. Okay? This is not a man-made thing. Uh, what the heck? Paul woke up one morning and said, you know what? I think I need to take over the church from my dad. He didn't do that. It's God's idea. Generations and people come and go. There are different seasons, and it's the same in every church. Seasons in the church. Seasons come and go. Churches change. Churches move on. And uh, if you look at the Bible stories of transition and generations passing on to generations, it's incredible. I, in preparing this, I had this whole lot that I started writing down on Paul and Timothy and how there's a similarity here where father and son, he starts out saying, Timothy, a fellow worker. And he ends up saying, Timothy, my dear son in the faith, my dear son in the Lord. And he says, receive him when he comes. I have no one else like him. The relationship developed, which was absolutely precious. And you guys are blessed because this is a, a real father and son. And the relationship here is a similar one. But anyway, I, I won't go through them all. But look at the transition from King Saul to King David. What a mess that was. And then David to Solomon. And Solomon built the temple. Uh, you know, just different. There's so much when you dig and you look at it and these handovers and, and how well they went and how badly they went and how guys messed it up and how guys did it so well. It's really, really interesting. But that's a whole other thing. But what about Jesus? Jesus only walked in ministry for what, three, three and a half years and said to his disciples, I'm going away. And they all said, no, you can't go. And he said, it's better that I go. It's better that I go because he knew that the gospel needed to go out. He needed to die and pay the price for our sins and buy us redemption and then set free the people that he'd raised to go into the whole world and fulfill the, the Great Commission. And then Peter tries to stop him. And he, what does he say to Peter? Straight after that incredible revelation when he says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. In the next breath he says, get behind me, Satan. Because he was an impediment. He tried in, the, in his flesh then, after this spiritual revelation, to intervene in a human way and stop this process happening. And Jesus was brutal with him. Get behind me, Satan. This is not the voice of God speaking through you. So isn't that incredible? So, so these transitions, are, there's so much when you look at it and how Jesus handed over and they, they, they ran with it. And uh, it could go on and on. But this thing about um, preparation... This is not uh, in God's plan because this is what God does. This is not 10 minutes or 15 minutes or two or three years. This is a lifetime of preparation that's gone on here. From when these guys were little kids, God was already speaking. I don't know when God started to speak to you about this, but it's happened over years. And I, I heard a story just this week, which is in, I'll read to you. It's about the artist Pablo Picasso. Picasso was walking through a market when a woman stopped him, gave him a piece of paper and said, Mr. Picasso, I'm a huge fan of your work. Please would you do a little drawing for me? Picasso smiled and quickly drew a small but beautiful piece of art on this little piece of paper. He gave it to her and said, uh, that'll be a million dollars. And she said, but Mr. Picasso, it only took you 30 seconds to draw this. And he said, my good woman, it took me 30 years to draw that masterpiece in 30 seconds. Isn't that amazing? It's a lifetime of prep to be able to do that. So there's huge groundwork that's been laid here. This growing up into, in God into this time and this place in this church, massive groundwork in Paul's life and Amy's life. 
So it's God's thing. Number two, we have to do it God's way. And that's pretty obvious. I don't have to go on much about that, but it's God who chooses, God who anoints, God who ordains his leaders, and we have to trust and respect the process and believe really in our hearts that these guys have heard God and understood what God wants of them. I have absolutely no doubt, and I'm sure you guys don't too, but we have to do it God's way, which leads us to something else. How do we do it God's way? And this is for all of us to be fully behind the process, to be absolute, to have buy-in, to be on the same page, to buy into it and say, okay, yes, Lord, we believe you're doing it. Therefore, unquestioningly, unquestioningly we're going to be behind them. We're going to blow wind in their sails however we can in, in every opportunity we get and celebrate it. See it as a good thing, as, as good news and Understanding that it's a physical handover, but it's a spiritual handover. So spiritually be behind it. Pray for them. Commit to them before God and say, Lord, this is taking place. I know you're behind it. I know you're doing it your way. I know it's your way. I know it's your plan. How can I help? And before any of that, I commit before you to be behind them, to be a part of this. Help me to help them. Isn't that a simple way of doing it? Start there. Be fully behind it in the, in the spiritual and then physically be involved. Try. Try in any way you can to say, I'm available. What can I do to make this thing smooth? And there will be questions. There will be doubts. They come up. And now that we've left, we thought, well, this was such a smooth handover. Everybody was behind it. When, when, <laughs> let me tell you this. When we took over in 2007, there were 90 people in the church. We ended up with 30 so we, we managed to nuke 60 people. But, and we were convinced afterwards, we didn't do it. God took them out of our way. <laughs> okay, that sounds horrible as well. But as people started to leave for whatever reason, others came in. So we never really dropped below 60 at any one point because there just was this influx of new people. And it was almost a culture change that took place. But now we thought, okay, nobody's left. It's gone so well, nobody's left. But we get feedback now that's actually maybe not so helpful. People saying, yeah, it's going so well, but you know what? It's just not the same without you. <laughs> we don't want to hear that, and especially the new guys who took over don't want to hear that kind of stuff. You know, Maybe they don't feel it's the same, but move on. It won't be the same. If they expect it to be the same, then they missed something. And the other one is, Oh, we miss you so much. <laughs> we feel, of course, we puff our chest up and say, oh, yeah, we told you so. No, I mean, it's, uh, we're humans. You want to hear that. Oh, they really do miss us. Shame. We miss them too. But those aren't helpful things to say publicly, you know. If anyone gets, stands and suddenly hears them saying that, oh, actually, yeah. And then the worst is, you know what, the preaching, the leading, the praying, the fellowship is so different now that you've gone. And we don't know whether to take that positively or negatively. <laughs> but the positive is the church is filling with young people. And we, in our 60s, felt it was time to, to, to move out of the way because we'd spent 10 years inputting into this young couple and the other young couples on, on eldership. And we thought, how long do we remain and not set them free to run with all this passion and energy that they've got? And we started to realize when we heard through 
some of the things that some of the young people see us as grandparents, which we are. But we thought, oh, we kind of vibey and fit in and, and we say the right things and we mix with them and we, can all, we always connect well with young people. So why move out of the way? But the reality is they don't see us like that. So, you know, in, when it comes to technology or anything else, we two or three steps behind. And for the church to go forward and reach the new generations, we needed to move out of the way. So we did. And the guys, at first, the, the eldership guys were indignant, saying, no, 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 why? It's going so well. Why do you want to step out the way? And, um, and we said, precisely for this reason, it's your time to shine. And it's, it's, it's time that we just moved away. And with COVID, we had to stay for another two years on the eldership team of the guy I handed over to. And it's up. <laughs> Look at his face. It's actually easy. It was easy. It wasn't difficult. It wasn't difficult at all. But that's another topic for discussion. But it, it actually went well. And we just let them run. And it, it, it was so good to see it happen. But in saying those kind of things, it's just, you get a sense that people are not comfortable with change. Even if they're going rah, 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 they, there is stuff that they will say. So my advice to you is don't drag your feet or look miserable when you think, oh, well, it's all coming undone, it's unraveling, because times of change are difficult. Things will need to be undone to be redone. I, I don't know what their plans are. I don't believe they're going to make radical changes overnight. But if God didn't want anything to change, he would have kept Nick and Viv here until they were 90. But he's not doing that. Thank the Lord. Hey? But... Um, yeah, so just be ready for it and be a part of it. And then the last one, which is pretty obvious, there's going to be opposition, okay? The enemy does not want this. There is an enemy. He's uncomfortable with what's taking place. He does not like new generations to step in. He would prefer them to lead till they were 100 and this place to be empty with no youth and uh, old-fashioned ideas. And not that they are, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's time for a change. It's time for a new season. And it's great for them, and it's great for them, and it's great for us, and it's going to be awesome. And I, I, I'm absolutely convinced of that. So let me show you an illustration. Stand up to the enemy and resist any of that stuff. So can we have that first slide? I mean, this is a little bit obvious, but the passing on the baton, the relay race, I think is a very good analogy of what's, of what's taking place here. It can only go so far, and I've seen it before, but... Um, uh, just in thinking about it, I, I, I put some of these thoughts down on paper. There. Okay. So you have a race. And typically the relay races are 4 by 100 or 4 by 400. You get a 4 by 200 and so on. But the classic relay is the, the 4 by 100 sprint or the 4 by 400. And I don't know about you guys, I love watching those things. And it's amazing how many times they fumble the baton and drop it in the transition. All of those guys, if you watch a 4x400, I watched one yesterday, I, clicked, I watched a few, but yo, it's incredible when you see those guys run, because those four are the top runners on that track that their country can field. They are the top four, and they're all incredible in their own right. I watched a 2017 one with Botswana and Nigeria and Jamaica and the United States and Poland and France. It was just such an incredible race, and the, the, the Americans ran away with it. It was just unbelievable the margin they won by. And it, why? Because they were not only fast runners, but their baton changes were impeccable. That handover of that thing. And the key to the race isn't how fast they are. It's how well they transition that thing. How well one passes on to the next. So you see here this act of passing it over. So what is essential when those two 
actually get to that point that they are both running at the same speed. They have to synchronize their timing. If Paul stands there waiting for Nick to come up and give him the button and says, oh, thanks, and turns around and starts to go, that's not going to work. He's had to speed up and he's had to slow down, but to synchronize their timing. So timing in handover is everything, and I have no, no doubt that this timing has worked. They haven't rushed it. They haven't dragged their heels on it. They've heard God, and they've done it in God's time, and that's why they're both running at the same speed. That's absolutely essential. They've walked this road for many years, and the word is in sync, I think. They are in sync and ready for this to take place. Secondly, they're looking at each other, okay? So, well, she's looking at the baton, silly girl. But they look, what happens is, especially in the 4x400, in the 4x100, they often don't, and they're two techniques. So the guy sticks his hand out and he starts running, but he's still looking ahead. It's the guy behind's responsibility to place it in the hand, but that's where they fumble. In the 400, they look at each other. So you see the, the one will start to run, watching backwards, and then stick his hand out, or her hand out, and, and actually v- vis- visually receive that thing. And the one coming up is watching it so they could get their timing right to put that in the other's hand. So this, this um, communication is essential. Uh, Paul is not running on ahead. He's not saying, okay, now it's my turn to, to take over. I'm going to stop doing what I want to do, what God is telling me to do. No, he's waiting for his dad. And, 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 and um, Nick is waiting for Paul. They're actually getting this in sync and they're getting the communication. The communication is right. So once again, I have no doubt that this is right physically. It's right spiritually. There's no distraction. They're not looking aside. He's not looking ahead without knowing what's coming up behind. So just in that sense, perfect. Then there's a moment when both of them have their hands on the baton at the same time. Can we have the next one? There. That's where we are now, I believe. Okay. It's literally both of them have got a hold on it. It's, it's in the process, but it hasn't been passed. And Nick has not let go, and Paul has not taken it, snatched it out of his hand. It's this clean, smooth transition where he's actually placing it in his hand. And that's a, a unity of understanding and purpose, a confidence saying, here you are, my boy. And at that same moment, he's laid his hand on it. And I think that's quite clear and quite simple to understand. That's where it is. We're in the middle of this transition. It's been prepared and there will come a day of the actual handover and the ordination, but that's where it is. Both on the same page, both running at the same speed, both completely looking at each other and united, all, all four of them, in purpose and in understanding, and that's where it is at the moment. It's not being fumbled. It's being very smoothly, as they side by side work through this. But the moment comes when the guy handing over has to let go. <laughs> uh, yeah, next one. Okay, there's a fumbled one. <laughs> Look where the guy on the right is looking. There's no communication. There's no synchronization. There's no unity here. The Americans became famous at one stage for fumbled baton handovers. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? But uh, we don't want to dwell on that. But it happens. Our, f- our first transition was that. We were not on the same page. We didn't realize it, but it was, it was that. So it, it didn't work. I... Yeah, I was eager to run ahead. He didn't want to let go. It created a whole lot of stuff. So, yeah, maybe move on to the next one. Let's get off this one. But Nick and Viv have sown their lives into this church and into you guys. It's not easy to sow your life, to spend those years. We were there 
for 15 years in Portugal. It's not easy. It's hard. You've years and years and endless meetings and counseling people and problem people and great people and leadership training and endless years of it. And then you, you've got to step back. It's not easy to let go. It, it, it is a difficult thing. But they've heard God and it's all in place. And I don't believe it's going to be difficult for Nick. Um, there's a, a, an image I had of, of Bilbo Baggins giving the ring to Frodo. Do you guys know? <laughs> and Gandalf was there and he says, okay, now give him the ring. And he's got a grip on that thing. And he says, my precious, but it's so small. It's so, and he can't let go. And that's maybe what sometimes happens. And the danger of that is that, the, especially if the guy stays behind, there's an element of, of wanting to actually step in. We had it. I never thought we would. But there were times when I wanted to say, hang on, guys. I, I just don't think this is right. And I had to actually bite my tongue and back off and trust that God knew what he was doing. And in the process, he did know what he was doing. And so, you know, it's hard. But anyway, you've got to actually take your hand off that thing with confidence and say, oh, this has been decided on. Here you go. Run with it. And then the front guy has to take that thing in his hand in a firm grip. What they do is they take it in their left hand and they pass it to their right hand as they start running. He turns his head, he looks down the track, and he gives it all he's got with that thing in his firm right grip. Why? Because he's got to pass it onto the next guy's left grip. So he, but, and he wants to have a good hold on it. So that's the next thing. You turn your head and you sprint away. Not that you're going to leave him behind. This is, this is where this thing unravels. Because he's not saying, okay, my race is done. I'm going to, I'm going to go over there now and have a beer and just put my feet up. Because he's stay, they're staying here. So the difference is that they will continue to cheer you on. He will be behind you saying, go, Paul, go, Paul, go, Paul, go, Paul, as, as you run. And the rest of you, imagine that's, I don't know, imagine that's uh, Poland running the race. You're all Poles. You're not screaming for the Americans. You're screaming for these guys. Your role is to keep him absolutely motivated to keep running that race. And that's a fundamental role. You're screaming your heads off. You're doing whatever it, it, you can do to make him win this race. So, yeah, that's basically what that illustration shows. This process of transition, which is so fundamental and can go so wrong, but is in fact, in our opinion, going so smoothly here. So, be, back them up. Do what you can to, to make them run this race, to see them go. Embrace the change that's going to come. It'll probably be in little dribs and drabs, but embrace it. Support them all. Don't uh, uh, say to him, <laughs> oh, thank goodness you guys have taken over now. <laughs> or, or say to him, you know what? It's just not the same. We, we kind of hanker after your leadership. No, they don't want to hear that they have somehow failed and it's, it's going much better. Well, maybe they do. <laughs> but they haven't failed in any way whatsoever. They've, done, they've run a great race and God is saying to them, well done, good and faithful servants. And their role is not over, which is so exciting. So, you know, blow wind in their sails. Love them. They've given their lives for you guys. Years and years of years of dedicated service, of fixing their eyes on Jesus and loving God and bringing their, these guys through. These guys, all of you, family, members, they've sown and they've reaped and they've reaped a good harvest. And that harvest is only going to multiply now. And honor them. Because it, without them, you wouldn't be here. 
They've done an incredible job. And it's so good to see the teamwork that exists and the love that exists and the love that exists in this church. It's a family, and it's a good, good to be a part of this family. So I, I'm looking forward to what's going to take place. I'm looking forward to the, the event, and I'm looking forward to the future. God has you in his hands. Fix your eyes on Jesus and run the race set before you for every single one of you. And those words this morning, shake off the things that hold you back. Push aside. Ask God to help you leave those things behind that are hindering your race. Get rid of them. Walk in freedom. And as a church, walk in freedom. That's what he's saying this morning. It came through so abundantly clear, this unstoppable God. How are we doing for time? I'm over. This unstoppable God who really is unstoppable wants to power ahead with Southern Gateway and is, in, is absolutely wonderfully intimately involved in this beautiful process that's taking place. And there's a new young couple who've stepped forward. You know how rare that is to take this church into the glorious future that Jesus has for it. Wow, can we celebrate that? Yeah. Let's stand. I'd like to, I'd like to pray for us. Lord, what can we say ultimately but that you're a good, good God? We want to honor you. We want to fix our eyes on you. Ultimately, it's all about you. You're involved in this process, but the process is all about you, Lord. Your church is powering on as all over this world, your gospel is growing and bearing fruit. We've heard it. We've embraced it. We belong to it. This is a church that celebrates the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, you are the head. You are the king. And you are the head over this house. And I just thank you that, Lord, you are present in this process, that your hand is evident in every step of the way that's brought us up to this point, that's brought these precious couples, this family, up to this point as we, we see uh, uh, and we are part of the privilege of, watch, of watching Father hand over to Son and watching the Son rise up to take over the good work that's been done. And to, and to take it forward into the future, Lord. I just pray for every single person here, those uh, members of this church who are not here today, that, Lord, they would embrace this with all of their hearts and minds. They would put their hearts and minds and soul and strength into serving you, following you, and making uh, the work of Paul and Amy a joy and not a burden, so that, Lord, this, this church can move on uh, and carry on with the momentum that it has and even pick up speed, Lord, as, as, uh, as we go forward into the future that you have for this church. I thank you for your presence in this. Lord, we want to give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise, and say, Lord, let your will be done. Uh, have your way with these people in this church. We surrender this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Marky. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, join us for coffee uh, outside. Don't run away. It's a beautiful day. And uh, see you for next week with Chanel. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. Uh, and uh, have an incredible week. Amen.